Welcome to the Deep Bible Studies Podcast, where we discover, explore, examine, and practice the Word of God. I'm your host, Claudia Rivera Guevara, and today we are starting back up again with our new calendar. We are going deeper into the Word of God, one passage a week, two podcasts a week, discovering, exploring, examining, and practicing. I am so excited. And so, yeah, we're going to be doing John 4, 1 through 15 today. So, the structure of our studies now we will be studying like i said one passage per week and on tuesdays we will be discovering and exploring and then on fridays we will be examining and practicing the word of god going a little bit deeper so today as you can guess since we're starting off on tuesday we're doing john 4 1 through 15 and we're going to be discovering and exploring so let's just get right into it Jesus and the woman of Samaria. So we're going to be looking at the context and analyzing this passage and how Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. The focus in this passage is that Jesus is being foretold in the Old Testament scriptures. As we have said, all of the Bible is about Jesus, not about us. Along with the focus in the continuity of the Bible and Jesus as the center of it, we see our Lord's love, compassion, and understanding of people. Something that I love that Nabil Qureshi once said, and I'm paraphrasing here, is that Jesus was born of a teenage virgin. His earthly father was a carpenter, which he worked with. He grew up in Nazarene, and he died so humiliatingly, revealing how God does not care of your social status or your economical status, of your race, etc. He loves you immensely. Not for any good that you have done, because there is no true good in who you are or what you have done, neither am I, but instead because of who he is. And because of his immense love, grace, and compassion, he himself incarnated himself and took your punishment, bearing his own wrath for your sin to the point of death and resurrected so that we might be renewed and reconciled to him for eternity. This passage testifies it that his love has no boundaries. We see this as Jesus reached a social outcast, a Samaritan woman. So verse 1 says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again from Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So a little context regarding why Jesus left Judea to go to Samaria is summarized quite well by John MacArthur by saying, John the Baptist and Jesus had official scrutiny or inspection focused on them because of their distinctive message regarding repentance and the kingdom. Most likely, Jesus wanted to avoid any possible trouble with John's disciples who were troubled with his growing popularity. And since the Pharisees were also focusing on his growing influence, Jesus decided to leave Judea and travel north in order to avoid any conflict. We see kind of the repetition throughout the book of John of my time has not come yet. And we've talked about this before, but we see it specifically here because in this we see Jesus's intentionality because he has come to fulfill the Father's plan. For example, John 2, 4, he says, and Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. More in this specific passage, by the way, in our John 2, 1 through 12 episode. So this means that there was actually divine ordinance in Jesus's meeting the Samaritan woman. For his, as many as other times, he is revealed to be the Messiah in this. Now let's talk about Samaria. 
So this is going to be a little history lesson into the nation of Israel for context. So if you like history, you're welcome. I like history too. So John MacArthur said, when the nation of Israel split politically after Solomon's rule, King Omri named the capital of the Northern Kingdom of Israel Samaria. So we see this in 1 Kings 16, 24, which says, he bought the hill of Samaria from the Shemer for two talents of silver. And he fortified the hill and called the name of the city he built Samaria after the name of Shemer, the owner of the hill. So the name referred to the entire district and sometimes the northern entire area, which had been captive by Assyria in 722 BC. So this transported many non-Jews into Samaria. These groups intermingled to form a mixed race through intermarriage. Eventually, tension developed between the Jews and the Samaritans because they didn't worship Yahweh, which is God himself. The Jews repudiated the Samaritans and considered them heretical. Intense ethnic and cultural tensions wedged historically between the two groups so that both avoided contact as much as possible. Thank you, John MacArthur, because that truly gives a lot of context and shock to what is explained in the next verses. So moving on, verse 5 through 6 are referring to Genesis 48, 21, 22 that says, Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you rather than your brothers one mountain slope that I took from the land of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. In this we see Jacob, son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, dying. And yet his trust in the covenant or promise of God between his people remains alive and growing. Jacob gave this land he purchased to Joseph. There was a well in this land, which indicated it to be dug out as well as an underground spring, which is still active today, by the way, fun fact. So these verses say, so he came to a town of Samaria called Zagar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus wearied as he was from his journey was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. This is important because we see Jesus as a human here. So he suffered physical limitations as any other human being. I find this incredibly comforting that God Almighty, our Savior, is not indifferent to human suffering and pain, for he went through the worst, most brutal suffering, the cross, bearing our punishment to death. So then verse 7 says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. So groups of women would usually come very early in the morning to avoid any sort of heat, while drawing out the water, yet this woman came alone, avoiding any sort of group, indicating that she must have had been publicly shamed. Verse 8 then says, For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me? a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So the woman is taken by surprise, rightfully so, since Jewish men speaking to a woman, especially a Samaritan woman, in public was basically breaking the social norm, especially a teacher. They would not reach out to any sort of woman, especially a woman with this kind of background. This reminds me of what, again, Nabil Qureshi said that I mentioned in the beginning. I mean, with this context, let us apply it to our baggage. Why would God so holy and mighty be so willing to love us so much, to become a parent and reach out to us, and furthermore, take our place on that cross to the point of death, saving us 
from the very wrath that we deserve. How could this be that a just, holy, perfect, righteous, loving, omnipotent God, etc., 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 would take the place of a lying, stealing, blaspheming, murdering at heart, adulterer, fornicating worm? I mean, let we're talking about all of us here. Why do we ponder so little upon the immense love, this huge sacrifice that cost the Almighty King's Son's life, the eternal God? son's life so that our filth our depraved selves could die with him and be resurrected with him as new people who are credited with his righteousness and are made right with god and what does he say in mark 1:15 regarding this that we are to repent and believe jesus answered her if you knew the gift of god and who it is that is saying to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I know I'm kind of leaving you on a cliffhanger here, but the next verses have so much theological significance that we will be going more in depth regarding them the next episode on Friday. But keep reading, keep seeking you guys. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that is I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come to draw water. You can find more information on our website, www.deepbiblestudies.com, where you will also find the calendar to go along with the book that we will be studying. You can also find us on Instagram, at Deep Bible Studies, and Facebook, where you can know every single time we post a new podcast. Also, we have an email, contact at deepbiblestudies.com, where you can ask us any questions and we will be sure to get back to you. I hope you have a wonderful day and see you next time.